0: Welcome, everybody, to the A.J. Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. Welcome, everybody, to the AJ Osborne Podcast. And today, I am very excited. I'm sitting here with Lee Elias, and he is a two-times award-winning author. Um, he has coached and helped organizations such as NHL, NBC, Hearst Media, A E, Madison Square Garden, um, He has a long track record with helping hockey teams. He is on a mission to build trust and teamwork. I'm really, really excited to talk to him about coaching organizations speaking and everything else he has been doing and what we can learn now i do have to admit i have a little of agenda here because i have um a lot of questions that i want to ask so uh, <laughs> this is going to be you know i i have a lot of things that i'm excited to talk to you about but thanks for being here man
1: it's my pleasure uh, it was worth the travel out here and yeah. You have a wonderful crew, a wonderful team, and it's it's great to be here with you today. Yeah,
0: we really do. We 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 got a great team, and that's you know what it takes to make all of this work. So, but walk me through here real quick, your background and how you got to you know first of all leadership, mm-hmm. organizations, coaching. Like what brought you to that space? Um, because. That is not something you go to college for, right. necessarily, right? That's not <laughs> right. something, and that's not where you started. Right. So give me give, give me a walkthrough here of how you got to that point.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of elements that, that brought me here. One is my upbringing. So both of my parents were a little bit older for someone my age. They were born in the early 40s, so they kind of grew up with that World War II, post-World War II mentality of, hey, you work, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, we're part of something bigger than ourselves, yes. and That was instilled in me in a young age, uh, especially military, just the idea of military. I'll come back to that in a bit. Uh, And when I was uh, 12 years old, I found the game of ice hockey. And ice hockey opened up a whole new world to me of teams and how teams can work. Uh, And I always loved the idea of working together with my teams. And uh, there was a real pin turn moment in my life sometime around the year 2000. My father sat me down, and there was a documentary on HBO called Do You Believe in Miracles? And it was about the 1980 Miracle USA hockey team who beat the USSR and ended up winning the gold medal. There's a movie about it now. It's a pretty known uh, event. And I sat down and watched this. And I saw what Herb Brooks, the coach, was doing to bond his team, which he knew was the only way to defeat the USSR, right, in addition to the tactics and stuff. And I just got it. I saw this documentary, and I knew exactly what he was doing. And it made so much sense to me. I remember thinking, wow, that's what all great coaches must do. That's what all great teams must do. Uh, And I went to college and I played college hockey, uh, won a championship my freshman year, which was fantastic. And then that team deteriorated because they didn't bond us. And then I went on to play hockey a little bit further than that, and the teams deteriorated. And I noticed pretty quickly, and I got into coaching around 22, um, and I implemented, which was at the time, a really rudimentary team-building philosophy, and that team succeeded. And I started to realize at 22 that not anyone understood what Hurt Brooks was doing in bonding his team. Or they thought it was an afterthought. They'll go, oh, yeah, his team was bonded. Yeah. He's just like a given,
0: right? It's like, oh, yeah, they either worked great together or something like that. So they, yeah.
1: Yeah. And for all your listeners, like, think about this with your teams. How how often do you do team bonding events? And look, a team dinner or a get together every once in a while are wonderful. But how often, how much time do you really spend on it? Is it once a year? Do you have a retreat? And so I realized that this is an ongoing everyday aspect of leadership of winning. Yes. Do you want to use that word of team building? And so my philosophy was, well, if we're going to be serious about this, we need to do this 33.3% of the time. Cause I believe there's three things you need to win team uh, tactics. I'm sorry, talent tactics and a team bond. Great talent can't overcome bad tactics, but you need to be bonded in order to make championship atmosphere even possible. And so I made a decision then when I was young that this is something I want to pursue. And I've spent years now harnessing that and growing that. And the the nice part about team building is it's always evolving. You're always learning about how people are motivated. Uh, But you come down to the the core values of it, which is trust, accountability, something we're going to talk about today, communication, grit, leadership. Um, You know, there's a lot of pillars within team building. And the idea, and this is to round out your question, when I realized that when a group of people can come together to accomplish a common goal, it's like a little miracle. And when I realized that, I said, I want to go around and I want to help people find these miracles. And I take a lot of pride in helping people believe in themselves, believe in each other, to have so much of a selfless attitude as they pursue their goals. And then there's that moment when they achieve them. And whether it's in business or sports, whatever realm I'm working in, there's you always see the pictures in sports of you know, the raising the Stanley Cup or the win in the NF, the Lombardi. And I always say there's so much story behind that. There's so much that happened to make that possible. That moment is just a moment. It's a great moment. Yeah. It's a wonderful moment. But the journey to that moment is key. And I don't think a lot of people spend enough time, resources, or effort to build that really impenetrable bond. So again, got into coaching. Sports naturally transfers to business. And I grew my businesses from there. And and that is what I do. I, I, I work with teams to develop championship culture. And you
0: also served in the military, correct? My wife did. Your wife, wife did, that's right, right. your so, wife did.
1: So coming back to that, it's a perfect example. So whenever I need a great example of teamwork, I actually looked at the military because I think yes. the military is the best team on the yeah. planet, right? Um, and it, it's funny, when I, when I thought my involvement in the military, I didn't think I'd be the lowest rank, which is male military yeah. spouse. <laughs> uh, but I took a lot of pride in that. My wife yeah. was in the Air Force, served honorably. Uh, uh, when she separated, she was a major, uh, but I got to travel uh, through the military for that and be around these exceptional people uh all around the world uh if, yeah you talk a, about you talk yeah. about
0: team building especially when you look into the military the spouses the significant others it, it, it's shocking what has to go into the military as far as talent teamwork mm-hmm. resources tactics support right it, it, it's shocking, right? My brother is in South Korea right now. He's serving. And uh, I'm, I'm in awe about this machine mm-hmm. that has endless components, sophistications, coordination, that is global, right. that is unified, that is structured. The fact that our military is not, I mean, a lot of people like to pick at the military and said, well, they do this wrong, they do this wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, you're talking about an organization that holds the most firepower the world has ever seen, that could destroy the world 10 times over, <laughs> that is the equivalent of basically countries. It's bigger than the vast majority of countries on Earth. And they don't. They literally don't blow right. up the world. In right. fact, it's the opposite. It works perfectly. Right. Not perfectly, nothing's perfect. It works smoothly. Yeah. It's coordinated, it's, it's they learn from it, it's synchronized. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I, I just don't, like you said, you, you see that pe- the people holding up that trophy, but you don't see everything right. that goes into it, right? And that's one yeah. of those
1: things. Well, and, and family plays such a huge role in that. Such a uh, huge especially role. Especially during deployments. And you know, we go through training for that while we're in the military. But the thing that it comes back to, which is amazing, is we always say the mission. Yes. In the military, the, in all the armed forces, there's the mission. mission. And we're all very clear of what our mission is. And, and it's funny because when I apply this to, to sports or business, uh, in any organization I'm involved with, I always say team, teammates, self. This is the order in which we prioritize. The team comes first, then your teammates, and then yourself. All three are very important. Yes. You cannot operate without all three, but they can't be out of order. They have to be in that order. And in the military, I have a wife. I have children. The mission is paramount and assisting my wife to be able to complete the mission, the larger mission is paramount. And it is such a beautiful thing when everyone is on that page. I'll tell you this, when we lived in, in the UK, uh, I think that might've been the safest I've ever felt in my life. Now it does help when you're on a base with guys with you know, M16s and, <laughs> yeah. and and there's jets flying all overhead, but the, we're all committed to each other yes. and taking care of each other. We'd leave our doors unlocked over there, which yeah. I never experienced. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd see that in movies. Yeah. Um, but we were together in accomplishing the mission, and it was hard at times. Um, deployments are terrifying. Losing your spouse for six to 12 months at a time. And you see these people doing it, we all help each other. And you know, it's funny, I'm not turning it out of the military, but I remember my wife's a physician. Yes. Uh, and when COVID hit, I had to rely on all of the training that I was provided because it, she was, it was basically a deployment. She was at the yeah. hospital all day. When she came home, she was understandably exhausted. The team came first, which is our family at that time. Yeah. I understood that. And you can see how if you don't have that basis, you might come back with a, well, what about me?
0: Yes. I'm
1: at home all day with the kids. Yes. And, and, and look, it, was, it wasn't it was easy at times. I, I love the extra time with my children. That's how I kind yeah. of viewed it. Yeah, 100%. But you know, I never wanted her to come home and think, like, you're doing the wrong thing. I used to say to her in a weird way that, you know, this is kind of your Super Bowl, right? Yeah. You're a doctor during a pandemic. Yeah. I knew not to get in the way. In, in the sense of, I'm not going to... Uh, inhibit you from doing what you need to yeah. do right now, because that is the mission, mission. yes, right? Um, so you apply that to any environment. Remember, teams, just for everybody listening, right? Teams are not just sport teams and work teams. Your family is a team. Yeah. Your extended 100%. family is a team. Your work is a team. Everything Your community is, a team. is a team. And as a human species, we are a team. Yes. And you can look at any biological research. You can look at any evolutionary research. Humans are meant to be together. If you're an extrovert or an introvert, there's no way around this. We are meant to work in tribes. We are meant to be together. We need to bring that belief back. We're losing that slowly. Losing. There's a lot of powers at beast yes. pulling us away from each other. You know, we are fun, not funny.
0: working together as a team. Right?
1: Well, we're not. What's funny about it is they're pulling us apart into teams. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right? so, competing teams. Right. So I mean, you want to look at, on the mission. Right. Absolutely. You look like again. I don't want to get into politics, but look mm-hmm. at it. They've split them up into yep. two teams, and yep. and people are like sports fans with it. My yes. team's right. Your team sucks. Yeah. I want to win. Defeat and we, them. Right. And we're losing sight on the yeah. mission. Yeah. We're focused kind of on our teammates and ourselves a bit too much. Yes. When the mission is, if we could all work together for this beautiful idea that we have here in America yep. and beyond, yep. there's no stopping us on what we could do. Um, last thing, just on the military, yeah. too, and the size of the military. When you're in the military, you immediately understand why it needs to be that big yeah. and, and why that the kind of shield around the world is so important. Yeah. Uh, before the U.S. military, I don't believe there's any case of a military going into a country and then leaving. Yeah. I don't think there's
0: any examples of that in history. No, we were the first occupying forces that gave back. We gave back the land. land. In fact, we didn't just give back. We then supported and rebuilt. And learned. And learned. I mean, countries that were occupied, countries that were destroyed through wars, everything, that didn't get the support, they never recovered. Right like right. i mean they're just done it's just over right. you can see how africa africa has been ravaged never rebuilt taken over i mean if people don't understand that part of the military is to protect and serve but it is to support right and right. Uh, you know when you look at that mission and you see the people that believe in it right, right and are doing it it's powerful now when you're right. working with we talk about these bigger things but when you're working with you know, I look at like professional sports teams, for example, let's mm-hmm. go back to, you know, something that one you know a lot about, about. Yeah. one of your loves that you <laughs> support right. and do. Right. Um, this can be hard. I, I, in my, my opinion, it, it's like a, special, uh, a sports team versus a military or something like that, right? You, you have a goal of winning. Mm-hmm. You, you have a clear, lots of times, mission. Like we're trying to win this game. Um, but you have a lot of personalities in sports. A lot. And yeah. <laughs> you have people that have worked their entire lives right. to be the best in the world. Right. So when they walk out on that field, they go, I gave up my life mm-hmm. to be the best. Right. Now, why that's amazing, that can also come with a lot of challenges mm-hmm. that can be really hard when coordinating and getting all of those people to not only work together, but to put the mission before themselves. Mm-hmm. How do you see that playing out? Because I also view that a lot, how I look at it with business. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to pull those people together that are first and foremost, aggressive. Right, They wanna win, right. right? They show up to win. Yeah. They're not there to hang out. They're not there to lose. Right, And that's what you want, right? You want them to show up to win. Absolutely. And so when you're dealing in that kind of environment, right? When you're looking at how that's playing out, how do you, how what are the challenges that are faced
1: right. and how do you bring those people together? So there's a few aspects to that. The first thing I do with any team, and this is day one. Uh, if, if I'm not working with a coaching staff right away, this is day one. I establish the definition of the word trust. Trust is the fundamental foundational pillar of any relationship you're ever going to have in your life. If it's not there, it's going to be strained. It's going to be hard and it will not last. So the nice thing about trust or the funny thing about trust is everyone has a slightly defin- different definition of that word. And, and I, I, I've challenged this before. Everybody listening, just take a moment. Define the word trust without using the word trust in the definition. And you're going to find it very hard, right? Yes. You'll come up with a real base definition. Then you'll start going, well, you know, there's this, there's that. Uh, and then there's levels to trust. We've spoken about this, right? Yes. That I always say, trust the post is going to bring the mail. not going to let them watch my kids for the weekend. Yep. Right? So I'm trusting them to do their job, but not larger responsibilities. It is a very complex thing. And when you have 20 people, 50 people, 100 people come to a room with slightly different definitions of that word, you have to make a communal understanding of this is what trust means to this group. So that is the first thing I established. So now we have a baseline. You can always come back and say, well, did we break each other's trust? Uh, And again, think about any relationship you've ever had in your life and how important that word was. All right. So that's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is define winning, (laughs) and then understand within winning how each person's motivated to accomplish the goals that we want to do. You mentioned sports. Look, man, one team is going to win the Super Bowl. One team is going to win the national championship. One team. The odds are never in your favor. It is so much harder to win the championship than people realize. I'm going to say that again. It is a lot harder to win a championship than anyone realizes. All right, the teams that do it yeah. a lot, it's even more amazing. All right, so defining wins is so important. Yes, every team wants to win a championship. I'll go into a locker room, AJ, and I'll say, "All right, what's the goal?" And all all the players, well, we want to win. That's great. Every team wants that. Yep. Every and there's not going to be a team we play that doesn't want that. So I start to dive into the identity of winning. What are the other wins for this season? Right? There's games. There's can we take care of each other this season? Can we grow and learn this season? Right? And it really builds into this identity idea of who are we what do the other team say about us when we leave the building good or bad that's something worth fighting for now we all want this championship goal but now we know who we are we can trust each other there's other aspects we build communication structures within there of how to talk to each other and knowing who or who not to go to with certain things and then we talk about things like accountability what does it mean to be accountable where are we on an accountable scale right now there's levels to accountability How can we become more accountable? How can we evolve as a team? Basically, we're building the sphere of buy-in to a larger purpose to rise up together. And when you establish that, this transcends one season, right? And this is how teams end up winning over and over and over again. And I'm very blessed that the teams I work with win a lot. And it's funny because I don't say it's because of me. I'm bringing an element to the team that just wasn't there in that sphere of excellence that I was talking about. They have to listen. You talked about egos. We have to find a way to get each one of those athletes to buy in or each one of those workers to buy in and then build it and grow it and then nurture it. And I use that word specifically, all right? I can build any team. I can bond any team for a day. It's not hard. I, yeah. I, I could get ten people who really hate each other to work together for a day. Yeah. Doing it for six, eight, 12 months, years, that's an art. Yeah. You have to nurture this daily or it will completely fall apart. It's a, it's a glass house, right? You tap yes. it with a hammer. It's gonna come down. So you need to be there constantly watching it, constantly cultivating it, constantly altering it, because wins can change, right? I
0: I found that in my experience with our teams. And when, as a leader, I am not nurturing that, I'm not looking Mm. over it, that it's an expectation that I have, that is like, I I expect it, and then because it's an expectation, all of a sudden it's ignored. And then it falls apart.
1: Well, to your point, it, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll do this both ways. From a founder CEO to a head coach. It doesn't have to be that person. Yeah. I think that's one of the mistakes sometimes people go, well, I'm just not good at that. You bring in the people to do this, right? And again, this is why teams hire me. Yeah. Right? Because I am that person. I think it's absolutely okay that if it's not in your personality or head coach's personality to do that. And and to be fair, from a, from a sports specific background, it's not always the head coach who should be doing that. Head coach has to make really hard decisions. And really impactful decisions so it's not always right for that person to be the nurturer but that element has to be there and again using someone like yourself or the head coach my role is to connect that understanding of this person's doing this job this is how they're doing the mission this is how they're going to communicate now if there's ways we can alter that to make it better for everybody great but understand that person's fighting for you and this team and that's how they do it that's okay you talked about egos so important to understand how each person on the team is motivated right not everyone's motivated the same this is a common mistake i see across the gamut is well i was motivated by being yelled at as a kid i loved it and so i'm going to motivate everybody that way well look you got anybody under 25 you better rethink that yeah i I shouldn't say anybody but most people don't act that way and you got to question yourself of how is that person how is my teammate motivated learn and and, and i always get this how do you know ask yes (laughs) how are you do you like being yelled at do you like being talked to Uh, And and I'm going to say this again, because I think sometimes, um, especially in sports, people go, well, I don't want to go soft. This isn't soft at all. Knowing how someone's motivated is an asset to you as a leader. Yes. Now, going too far with it, meaning that this person needs their shoulders rubbed all the time. No, no, there's an expectation. Uh, Understanding
0: motivation doesn't mean that you are the world of balls run. That's totally obviously different. But to say that one person is motivated way more than another person in a different way right. is common sense. It is. But yet we don't think Never. about it. Never. Never. I, I mean, you Or we could, see it as weakness. Yes, exactly. Which is, we see it as yeah. the opposite. Right. Which is like, well, you now you're assuming that that person should be like you. Right. And two, they frankly <laughs> are probably thinking that about you. Well, so yeah. that's a problem, yeah. right? It needs to be recognized, hey,
1: that these people may be motivated in different ways. And that's okay. Yeah. Well, here's a sobering thought, right? There's 8 billion people on the planet. Yes. Everyone sees the world a little bit differently. Yep. It's, it's weird to assume anyone sees the world like you, right? There's that, you know, I'm a big Ted Lasso fan uh, and there's that Whitman quote, be curious, not judgmental. And I really apply that to myself now. I'm, I'm often curious over being judgmental. And yes. if I am judgmental, I get curious about why I was just judgmental. Yes. So when, when you dive into the human psyche or teammate, I'm very curious, like what makes you tick? Yeah. How can we, and, and this is a big key for me, how do we inspire a maximum performance out of this person? not just today, but ongoing. And when they're down a little bit, how can we raise them up? That's a big role for just the leader to take on. That is a team role, right? Of knowing that the person next to you cares and wants to lift you up. And I know that my teammate is, I might not be motivated this way, but they're motivated this way. And I'm going to make the commitment to my teammate and my team to lift them up when they're down. If you can get that harmony going, man, not only does it feel good, but you're going to accomplish things you never thought possible, right? Making those big lofty goals come up, then you make them together and move on. One of
0: the reasons I think I was so excited about having this conversation with you today was because of things that we've been going through as a company. Mm -hmm. We've been in hyper growth mode. Mm -hmm. Um, Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. (laughs) I think that, you know, why that's exciting and everything else that also comes with challenges that are are big challenges. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, I have felt over the last uh, handful of months is that um, the leadership, right? We, it, it had changed. I didn't recognize the change and I felt like, Oh man, I'm doing a really bad job at this. The reason being is when you are a smaller organization uh, principally meaning, you know, under fifty employees, right. the leader or what I could do and how I could be working with individuals was omnipresent. And what I mean by that is, we were always together. Mm-hmm. The goals, the understanding, the little things were never; they were everything was flushed out. We were hand in hand. Right. That was an organic situation that we had kind of cultivated right. in a culture. But then as we grew, we entered into a mode of a second layer of management, The management style, the management style that I nurtured that way did not work at this level. And then it came down to where I had to sit back and say, all right, where as an organization are we dropping the balls? Why? And really, when it came down to it, to me, I was like, the reason why the different areas within our business that maybe be dropping balls versus succeeding came down to the fact of that I had an adapted leadership style and that leadership style could not be represented in that way, mm-hmm. that meant some areas were getting left, others were not, and there was assumptions being driven. And I felt, okay, how do you coordinate now as you're implementing? Because one of the big changes was, outside people coming in. So as you're growing an organization, right. we're growing an organization through people coming in and lots of them. In the last four months, I think as I kind of talked about four to five months, whatever it was, I started last fall, you know, our, our team grew by 40 plus percent. Well, wow. outside yeah. people coming in all of a sudden you, these definitions, what is winning? What is teamwork? Right. How do these people be motivated? How these are all new to these people. And uh, not being able to, as you're more um, broken up, right, into areas of expertise, all of a sudden, the chain of, I I think, touch points Mm -hmm. gets lost and it's dependent on others. That really changes. Right. And that growth, I felt that I was, literally, over the last month, I was like, I don't think I even realized how fast, first of all, we grew, how much that changed, and how much Culture changes, and how much right you can start to lose in the process of that. Now, we have astronomically high retention here, mm-hmm. um, way higher than I'm, I've probably ever seen in any other organization, which you know I'm I'm proud of. But you with should that, be proud of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we also have an old business and now a new business. Right. So we have people that have been here for a decade plus, then we have half the company, right? Not. And as a leader, it is my job to join these, everybody together. Now that's the same way if you're starting out. Mm -hmm. So if you're starting out and you're starting out hiring or not even hiring, let's say you're by yourself, you're working with third parties, right? You're bringing these people together towards a common goal. And, um, that's what I had to do when we were first starting. We had to bring third parties together, plus people that we were working with together. Right. And it was like, hey, we did really good at that. Accountability is a centerpiece of this. Absolutely. And accountability is a hard thing, I think, to implement. I think people make it seem simple. Just do your job, right? Or just do <laughs> what you should be doing. right. But then when you look at that, that is, it, it's so not that simple. And if you do not have accountability that is placed correctly, people start rowing in different directions. And they view it as I am being accountable. I'm doing what, you know what I mean? So how do we address this? How do you look at this within starting out, growing organizations, right? Bringing everybody to the same page and holding people accountable to achieve that goal. It sounds simple, but I find that
1: people that say that it's simple, generally either are failing at it right. or have never done it <laughs> right or, or they see it as a task yes it's not a task it's not uh, i'm going to combine two of the words you said you need to create a culture of accountability okay and there's a lot of different ways to do that so uh what ends up happening as you described is you grow groups get siloed yes right and then it might be well my group versus your group mm-hmm. or well we're doing our job but they're not, they're doing, not their doing their job we're being accountable yep that's not accountability at all no nope. that's nah, pointing fingers right and and that's a major danger to yes. to uh, to a team environment. So right? you got to rewind it back, right? Number one is what is the common purpose of the company, or the team, that has to be established and reestablished. It also should be a living thing. It can change, yes, right? Over time, it it, it like the constitution, right? Yeah. It, it's meant it to be challenged, right? So I think number one is that needs to be very well established to everybody in the organization. I'm not just talking putting your mission statement on the wall. I mean a deep understanding of what we're fighting for great story that I love, not sure if you heard this one, to prove this one. Uh, JFK visited NASA in the early 60s. And uh, when he got there, it's a true story, saw a janitor. And he went up to the janitor and introduced himself, as JFK does, and he says, what are you doing here? And the janitor said, I'm working to put a man on the moon. That's what the janitor said. He understood that his job, which was as a janitor, was assisting that complete goal that was accountability to me, right? Yeah. So establishing that, and I'm gonna say it again, nurturing that day in and day out, you can't just say it on a Zoom call or a corporate yeah. retreat that this is what we're doing, right? Then from that understanding of what it is that we're, we're fighting for, it's understanding this kind of battle rhythm, all right? Here's a great question. How does your organization view losses? Are people afraid to yeah. tell you their losses? Everyone will tell you their wins, Yes. but are they afraid to tell you their losses? That will hinder growth so much. Mm-hmm. I wanna create a, co- a culture of accountability where we report losses, not, yes. with, not with glee, but no, but without fear. Without fear. And we're gonna learn from these losses. And, and my teammates will help me get better with these losses. Yeah. You do not need to fear a loss because we as a team will grow. You talked about bringing people in. Everybody goes through an interview. Great questions demand great answers. When I interview people, I ask them, what does teamwork mean to you? What kind of culture are you looking to work in? And I really listen to their answers because I want someone on my team that's going to understand that that's what we're building here. The work is the work. And yes, right? There's tactics for the work. Yeah. There's talent. Yeah. Just going back to that, right? But the team bond of why we're moving forward together, I'm looking to put a man on the moon. Yeah. You have to establish that and reestablish. This is a daily aspect of surviving this. And if you get silos, like we said, Mm -hmm. it needs to be understanding. And, And some of this can be done just by talking about it, but understanding that it's not productive for you to beat your teammates. Yeah. If this silo, let's just say, or this group is succeeding, I want their thought to be, okay, we're doing great. How do we get group B to rise up as well? In team dynamics, especially in sports, the teams that win have that. And you can see it. Yeah. I think we've all seen that video of that basketball player with the the his chin's down and his teammate comes and puts his chin right up. Yeah. That's what I'm talking. And he didn't fight it. He knew right away. Nope. You're right. You're right. Okay. We spend no time in business doing this, or very little. And it kills me. All right. Again, you talked about your expansion. You can't be everywhere at once. Yeah. So I'm gonna this is a bit of a challenge. But could I walk out there right now and I and I'm, I'm hoping the answer is yes and ask anybody what is what is the vision? What is the goal? Yeah and my, my gut knowing you is they're gonna have a clue. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> all right. Most companies, no idea. Yeah. And you know what the goal is? I just gotta get to five o'clock. Yep. I clock in, I clock out. I just gotta This is get my it. job. This is they they're giving me a, a check. Yeah. We all want the higher purpose. Yeah. All of us. You gotta create that. Your leadership needs to have that all the way down to the janitor. Janitor can be a leader. Yeah. If they believe in what you're doing. So the question I have just to bring this back to accountability is, have you, I'm saying that plurally, created that belief? And is someone or are you bringing that every single day? There will always be dissension, there will always be disagreements, right? But if you create a culture of accountability that everybody understands, this is my goal, our communal goal, we're going for this. That is a humongous, not just first step, but aura of this happening. Now, when it comes to accountability itself, I think there should be regular calls about what is accountability. There's a difference between, we talked about the levels real quick. There's a difference between um, it's your fault, or it's not my fault, it's your fault, all the way up to we have made a mistake, we need to fix it. And I I always challenge leadership and I challenge people, where are you on that chart? How do you react when things go bad? Are you a blamer? Which is a natural thing. Like I'm not judging anybody here get curious about why do you always blame someone a lot of this comes from your upbringing yep <laughs> but what is the next level up it's very hard to go from it's your fault to we've made a mistake how do we accomplish the next level of what we're trying to do
0: you know we've been going through this massive revision in my company mm-hmm. um, as we were figuring out this like structure things like that and i one of the things that i wanted to do and uh, try to work through is is twofold first of all is i i don't i want to actually know right so we we sent right. a survey out and said to the employees and we said who knows what who who's clear about our long-term vision right, right? so the response was, it was something over 85% said we are clear on that i found that who who is clear on the short-term aspects right to get to that long-term vision we had a huge gapping hole in that. And I found, oh, I've done a really good job. But then as we've grown and as we brought this layer of mm-hmm. other people in, we've dissected this up. Mm. All of a sudden, there was a lot more confusion on the short term to get to the long term. Right, And so I thought, we need to examine. We need to really look at our company and say... Right. How are we coordinating? Because if you don't have this short term version, you're not working together. Right. Right. So, um, just working. Yeah. You're just (laughs) working. Right. So, for me to try to create, um, a a kind of an environment of accountability, which I think is really hard, it is, I, I, for for most people, I think it's totally counter nature. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I, I tried and I, I actually brought in somebody. Um, and, uh, very smart individual, um, Serena, she's a friend of mine and she works on a whole lot of stuff. And I, I want you to come in and I want you to follow me around for a week. And then at the end of the week, I want you to put a presentation on to my partners, to the heads on everything you think I'm doing wrong. Mm. And we did that. And she came out and she had a presentation and she said, here's everything AJ's not doing, what he should be as a leader, what he should be doing on a day-to-day basis, right? Where we have shortcomings and everything else. Um, And I sat in the meeting and I listened and I looked and then we said, okay, you know, what are the things that we need to do to make sure that I can do better, right? And be a better leader, everything else. And um, in that, I think I was trying to show them that there is nobody here right. that is above an examination. Brilliant. And I really wanted that to get to the heads is when we have a discussion about shortcomings and where we're succeeding and everything, this is not an attack. Right. This is a understanding of what's not getting us to our goal. Right. And so I'm trying to show you that like, I am open to criticism. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I am wanting to do it. Right. Yeah. But even right. Even as we go through these things there, I, I noticed, and it was what you keyed in on. I can do that. Mm-hmm. But that was dependent on what my version was of accountability. Right. Was, right. It was dependent on that context of how accountability works. And what I found is a lot of people say, I'm okay with accountability. Right. But they're not. I'm okay with accountability, right? right? But I can't be accountable because of this other thing, right? right. And I, I I really love that point, is this, do we have a group understanding right. of what trust and accountability is? And I, I don't think we had that, right. right? I wanted them to trust me that they could give me feedback and they right. should trust me that I can give them feedback, right, which too, I let them know very clearly. Right, your feedback that you give me does not guarantee that I am going to first of all agree or change. This isn't—we're not beating pinatas here. That's not what we're talking about. Right, right, We're trying to come up with solutions. So once we took um, her feedback, there was a clear list of things that we were like, we a hundred percent agree with you. Right. I, yeah. as the leader of this company, need to change these things. Then there was other things that we kind of analyzed. We think it's great feedback. We think, it's, but we actually don't believe. Based upon our organization, right? Because one thing you can't be is uh, you see organizations that they don't they don't know how to go where they're going, and it feels like accountability turns into a complaining session. But it's commiseration. Exactly. Right. So how do you create a culture that's not right. all right? It's accountability time. I'm pointing my fingers at you and saying right. you need to change those things. Right. right. That's what I I definitely don't want to happen. And two, I think can be confused. And I think right. people can confuse that. Absolutely. Oh, this means that I just get a complaint. It happens in sports all the time, right? Like yeah. no, you don't you're you're now talking about something you don't like about that person. Right. That's irrelevant.
1: <laughs> I don't care about right. that, right? What are your thoughts on creating that culture without it turning into right. that? Right. You you are I'm laughing because I remember my my wife went through this thing at her work where uh, once a month, they would have this session that was really not organized well, and it was supposed yeah. to be, we'll talk about everything. Yes, And my wife calls it mandatory fun, right? Uh, you're voluntold to be there, and yep. it's mandatory fun. It, it was just a large commiserations. So yes, um, anti-productive. It, yeah, completely anti-productive yes. and not what you need. So rewind it back. We talked about definitions of trust. Mm-hmm. Why do we not give definitions of accountability? or at least as a company yeah. or as a team, this is what this is how we want this to be. Um, I'll give you a, a, another great analogy. So most CEOs, most leaders understand there's a correlation with uh, being physically fit and productivity, right? And so a lot of companies give out gym memberships, right? And you work here, you'll get a gym membership. And I think it's a great asset. And, and you know, look, everybody's at their own place with that. Uh, here's a larger question. We understand physical fitness. You go to the gym, you work out, you will get physically fit. We do not do this at all for our minds. Mental fitness works exactly the same way. If you work on your mind, you will get mentally fit. If you stop working on your mind, you will get out of shape. As a leader, I know you want maximum performance, inspired performance out of everybody. Yeah. We're not talking slave drivers. Yeah, We're talking accountable up, They want to be right, here. Right. Right. So we need to focus on the individual As much as we focus on the job at hand. To all the people listening, what are you doing for your employees to make them more mentally fit, to have consciousness of I'm commiserating? You said something really profound before that that I'm not even sure you realize how big of a deal is. Uh, You said I wanted to know what I was doing wrong, right? And I wanted to be accountable to my team and I wanted to show them that. The fact you had that thought is a big deal. People don't think that way at times, right? Depending on where you are, they, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine, right? We're not even conscious to our thoughts or conscious of, wow, there's a real negative voice, judgmental voice in my head all the time, which by the way, all of us have. Yeah, Myself, everyone. we all have it, okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's how loud is it? Yeah. There are people not even conscious to that. As a team builder, as a leader, Part of my role is to make people conscious of that. And if I see somebody, I'll, I'll give you an example without any names. Um, somebody I'm, I'm, uh, I work with, a very domineering figure, and I thought he handled a situation poorly from a communication standpoint. And I sat him down, it was not very easy, and I said, look, I wanna discuss with you this, like how you handled this. And I did it in a way where I said, this is gonna to be tough, but I wanna express it, and I want you to give me some feedback, and we'll go back and forth. there's something I'm doing wrong, you can tell me. How often do those conversations take place? I think about the average employee in America. That, what is that message? Are, are you firing me? That's where it yes, goes. Fear. Exactly, fear. So you're talking about in your business, you're talking about doing this. Nurture it. This is something you have to revisit weekly. I'll give you a number that freaks coaches up. I said it before. Talent has to be there. You have the talent. Tactics have to be there. You have that. The team bond has to be there. So I get asked, well, how much time do I have to spend on this team bond thing? I said 33.3% well, I can't spend that much time on it. Really think about this for a minute. I'm telling you, you can't win without it. You agree with me. You need to spend a significant amount of your time making sure that your team, from the CEO down to the janitor, are really believing in what we're doing. If they have a problem that there's a communication structure to do that, again, AJ, communication is a huge part of this too. I, yes. like I'm kind of glossing over that a little bit, and but I don't want massive. to massive. Yeah, yeah, the ability to communicate effectively and understand how to do that yeah. creates accountability. Yes, right, hundred percent. I always joke. You can have yeah. accountability
0: and communicate it wrong, and it's disastrous. Well, I,
1: I, this is the analogy I always give. If you had the greatest tactician in any anything on the planet, and he can't or she can't effectively communicate those tactics, what's the worth? Yeah, it's gone. Irrelevant. It's it's almost wasted. Yes, it is wasted. Yeah. right. So the ability to understand and define communication for your team and know who to talk to. And, and that pathway will create a culture of accountability, right? And then also understanding, too, and I'll throw it back to you, is my employees know I don't want 85% of you. I want 100% of you. Yeah. And if you're having a day or you're having something happen in your life, let's just be honest about it. Yeah. If I'm not going to get 100% of you today, hey, I generally care, right? And you want your, your leadership to do this. This isn't one person. Yeah. I generally care. Like, are you okay? Do you yeah. need a day? Yeah, It might be very inconvenient for me, but do you need a day? Because I don't need 85% you, I you need, need 100% you. Take yourself just as a human. How would you feel coming to a workplace? I know my leadership cares about me. I know what we're fighting for. I know I'm conscious that I'm not at my best today. Would you come back to work tomorrow knowing that? They these people really care, it builds loyalty. That's the culture of accountability I'm talking about. It's very easy to be accountable in that environment. Yeah. We don't create those environments. Yes. And 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 some people create them and then just we did it. Yeah. There is no accomplishing this. There's no there's no time period where you have created a culture of accountability and you got it. It's like I say this about mental fitness too. You don't achieve mental fitness. You don't achieve accountability. You get to it and you maintain it. Yeah. And it will you expand 40, 50 people, it's gonna dip. Yeah. And you gotta prepare for that and bring it back up. It's 100%. a wave. Yeah, it and that's, a a okay way. Yeah. To,
0: that's okay. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. And a, a, you know, recognizing, and you know, you, you mentioned a couple things that I, I think are important when you look at accountability, there tends to be a version, especially amongst leadership where accountability is about you, mm-hmm. right? That's what accountability is, because I yes. am your boss, well, I'm holding yes you and no, yeah, to yeah. accountability, right? right? Um, and it's not necessarily about me, I'm at this role because of, my hard work, my intelligence, my this, my that, that means I don't need the accountability that you need. Right. And what that brings me to is this idea of judge, uh, being judgmental into this form of accountability mm-hmm. and trying to express that I'm not being, this isn't judgmental. I'm not being judgmental on, um, you, who you are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. People can have a really hard time with this. Right. I know that, assume that, because I know I have in the past, is any criticism was criticism on me. Mm-hmm. Like who I am as a Your identity. human being, right. right? Which is complete nonsense. Now I fully <laughs> realize that, and that's why I'm okay to have someone put in front of a board, um, everything that uh, they believe that I'm doing wrong in a, in in, in a, too let me express how this was done mm-hmm. it was asked to be done right. first of all i asked for it to be done it was not done out of malice right it was a third party person that i wanted out outside the right. reason being is i didn't want it to be associated with you're doing something wrong because of something i need right right or of judgment or something like that like it, we wanted an honest conversation about where we're going, what needs to be done and what things are being accomplished by me that need to be and what things are not so that we can change. Right. So I felt that me going into it with that spirit, plus having a person that I trusted, Right. right. To say, they're not coming in. Like, you know, Serena could come in and say all these things about me. Right. But I knew she wasn't a me. That was right. never designed And she presented it in a way that was not attacking. So it was set up to say, here are all the definitions that we agree as a company and leadership that need to be accomplished. Right. Here are the line items that we don't believe are being achieved. So as a person accepting feedback, but more importantly to me, as a person giving it, anybody that's a leader, that's you have employees to your kids, your family, how do you make sure that you give feedback and we hold each other or you're holding that person that you're responsibility over right. accountable without it being judgmental? Because you may think that it's not and it may be, or they may be taken that way. So first of all, how do you do it that? And how do you make sure that that person is in a position to receive it
1: correctly? Right. So I think we're diving into ego a bit. Yes. All right. And and uh, the understanding of what ego is. And I think there's a miss conception that ego is always, this kind of like, oh, it's that jerk who just thinks the best of himself. That is, that is one form of ego, but ego can take on many forms, right? It's really Mm -hmm. just how you see yourself or how you operate as yourself. So your, your doing that to me was a lack of ego, right? It's, I want to learn for the team, getting back to team dynamics and grow. I think children are a great example. You brought that up, right? We all have to reprimand or educate our children. And when I look at my kids to an athlete, to a a coworker, it's, we have to establish what is the goal from this criticism. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people will go and like, let's use sports, right? We're talking a lot about sports. Hey, you screwed this drill up. Do better. Right. That's kind of old school coaching. Right. Um, And here's the problem I have with that. You didn't explain to an athlete why it's important they understand to learn that drill. Now, again, look, at different levels, you get to professional hockey, it's kind of understood that you're going to know that. But you have to understand the why behind the what here, right? When you're going to explain to somebody something they're doing wrong, also explain why it's important that they improve upon this, because it helps us accomplish our communal goal. I don't think that happens a lot. And I think you knew that when you did this, right? Yeah. But when the results were explained, hopefully that's what happened as well, right? This is, they were doing this to get better for each other. Yeah. Right. So I think that's the first part. I think also when when you're um, in an environment of accountability, everybody will understand, well, we're we're trying to get better for each other. If that's not established, why would they think that way? So this is a great topic because this has
0: been something that I think I, like you, grew up both environmentally. If you ever read the book, um, uh, The Triple Package, Mm -mm. people on my podcast heard me talking about that lately <laughs> so um but i've been diving in and, and reading a handful of books that are very similar to this. but you you grew up in a system that you believed as well as i do that um like this we have a culture in america right now that is radicalized um identity like um self-importance mm-hmm. right meaning that i am amazing and i should accept me and everybody else should accept me as well. right. Which I am I am completely against that. The reason being is um, besides the fact that it's stupid um, <laughs> is it doesn't help you or anybody no. else. Meaning yeah. that if I did that, all my children would still be pooping their pants. Right. That's a great. One. It's so dumb, right, right right? No way do I want to as a person say that, yep, I peaked at whatever time and now everybody has to accept me. The exact way that I am, and I should be totally okay with who who I am, and I shouldn't receive critical feedback, right? right. And I shouldn't think that some parts of me should change, mm. right? I'm so against that. I but am too. Yeah. We live in a world that's ego, but that's it's de- exactly def- definition that's of
1: it. <laughs> definition of ego, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. And we have a big problem with that. Massive. That yeah. um when we look at in society, right, and when we're dealing with this in companies and cultures and everything. How do you address pe- people in this idea that, you know, first of all, overly sensitive, right? Like Absolutely. I shouldn't be receiving types of feedbacks. Right. It is a personal attack because it has to be a personal attack. Right. Because I am perfect, who I am,
1: right? And it's perceived. I've done nothing personal. wrong, yeah. so it's
0: perceived, gotcha. even if it's not. Right. 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 Um, and it's almost a violation. You shouldn't have authority or be able to right. talk to me that way. Right even if it's not mean we're not doing anything it's like well you needed to get your reports time right Right. well but i couldn't because of who i am for whatever reason and that should be accepted how do you work with people that and make sure you you know it's a little easier for me so i need to be honest and open where i live right is i live in idaho we have a lot of radical self-responsibility type views and things. So generally, this isn't an overwhelming problem uh, for me. I'm from the East Coast, so I guess Yes, so (laughs) I hear a lot of my peers talking about that. Um, How do you develop in a culture where I think that's gonna become more and more of a thing? Right. And it's going to be for me as we grow. Right. Because I am separations. New people coming in,
1: I'm separated, right? right? So how do you foster... So there's two two sides to this. One is that as the person trying to encourage someone not to be that way, you have to remove your own ego and your own judgment, right? And you have to come to that situation with, I want to inspire this person to see this differently. This is where I said before, great questions demand great answers, right? We can't go to people and say, hey, don't be like that. Yeah, Like, what, you're going to get defensive immediately yes, of course. because I, I identify would. this. I, who wouldn't? Yeah, because right? you're talking about me. Right. right? But yeah. if I said, you know, tell me, what is your grand goal of accomplishing? Uh, like, what do you want to accomplish by being like that? What is your definition of success? It's yes. a great question. And I ask people this question all the time. And what I find is people that kind of subscribe to that thinking, I'll say, what is your definition of success? Which is a really important question. Really important. Yeah. I'm not just talking in work here. Yeah. And they've never been asked that before. And a lot of times, I'd say nine out of ten, it comes back to well, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead it a little bit, but well, society says I should have a home and I should have a husband and a wife, or I should be married and have kids, and, and society says I should have this much money in the bank, and I should, I should these are the answers you get. And I will challenge them in that moment. No, that's society's definition of success. I asked, what is your definition of success? And a lot of times that will come right back at me. And I'll say, I'll tell you my definition of success. My definition of success is every night when my kids go to bed, I know they love me and they know I love them. That is my ultimate definition of success. If I, that happens, I don't care what happened during the day, I have won the day. I want to take care of my family. That is a definition of success. I don't need a home to do that. It helps. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I don't need a home yeah. to take care of my family. Yeah. You can look through history of people doing this. Yeah. I challenge those people to redefine what actual success is. And also, what is what is failure? There's a massive fear of failure. And I find a lot of people with that, well, no, I'm not wrong, they're terrified of failure. Yes. Because they don't see the potential of failure. And that's why they don't real. even want the
0: feedback. Right, Because well, it's the idea of failure, so right. they get defensive because they're right. like,
1: I don't want to fail, and yeah. Right, and, you, and, and failure is, I embrace it. Now, I don't yeah. love it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't feel 100%. Great. But when I fail, I get curious, like what yeah. did I do wrong what in this situation? What am I doing wrong? Yeah. Right. We wanna inspire that thinking, but you have to define failure, yeah. right? And it's funny, when most people in that situation define failure, it's not what they think, because failure naturally would be, well, I don't have the money, I don't have the house, and you find out, no, it's I, I, I'm not taking care of the people who care about me. If you shift the consciousness to that, you have shifted the polarity of that person. That is just a step one. We all have judgmental thoughts on, my, on our heads, I said this. We 100%. all have saboteurs. Can you get them conscious of that? Most people who think that way have a lot of negative voices in their head. This is yeah. a defense mechanism. Yes. All of this is built during your youth. We yeah. all have it. I'm going to keep yeah. saying that to everybody Every listening. One. Obviously. It's can you be conscious of, wow, that was a really judgmental thought. Yeah. Can you lower that voice? And I would say, label it, call it out. Yeah. Label your thoughts. And can you bring a sage voice in? No, I am going to be better at this, right? Yeah. And that, that's the constant battle of being a human. Yeah. But kind of continue our conversation when the person next to you is doing this and the person next to them is doing this and you all know you're trying to fight to be better. Hey, I'm not at hundred percent today. That's how you start to change that mentality. Yeah. Now, can we do that on a national level? Takes each one of us. Yeah. All right. And that that is the thing I think we're forgetting is that the way media is, the way the country is, even yes. the world, we're all like, well, I, I can't fix that. It's too it's so big. It's so scary. Yeah. You don't need to fix that. Yeah. Focus on you. Yeah. Focus on the people around you. Yep. If we all did that, this becomes a very beautiful place very quickly. And here, here's the 100%. thing. I believe in that. Yeah. People go, it's easy for you to say. No, I believe in that. That is why I go from place to place to place, inspiring people. This This is why I do it with younger kids now. You yeah. know what? You know, uh, real quick, I want to say this. A moment that really struck me recently. I was speaking to a group of middle school kids. And I was actually terrified to take that gig. Because <laughs> middle school kids, middle school is terrible, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. I, that's how I always looked at yeah. it. And I took it because it scared me. This is just yeah. this philosophy working. And, I, and we talked about, uh, I, this speech was called the seven superpowers we all share. It's about emotion and drive and all these things, teamwork and trust. And a kid came up to me in the hallway, stopped me in the hallway and said, uh, that thing you said at the end, no one's ever said that to me before. And all I said was, I believe in you and you should too. And he said, no one has ever said that to me before. What kind of a person is that kid gonna grow into if no one ever tells them, I believe in you? I'll yeah. tell you who they're gonna grow into. Well, I don't, my stuff don't stink, and I'm fine the way I am, and, because no one's ever told them, I believe in you. So it gets mutilated into this version of what you just talked about. Yeah, This is a society level change we need to make. It comes with accountability. There is the lowest level of accountability in our society right now I've, I've ever seen. You see it in youth 100%. sports. It's not my fault. It's your fault. If that coach had played you or if my boss had done this, everyone listening, challenge yourself. If you have a thought, capture yourself and just ask, why did I think that? Get curious about it. Stop pointing fingers, look within, work on yourself and commit that your team will do that. Yeah. We do this in sports. We get a lot of egos in sports, right? And I'll ask them, you know, do you really want to win? or Are you just interested in yourself? And look, here's the deal on a team aspect too, man. If, if, if someone's doing that and it's not changing, you need to make a decision because that one person can destroy your whole team. Sometimes they do need to be removed. I will, I, I, you have my word. I will try everything on a team, sports team, business team to try and incorporate that person back in. It's always my first thought is let me help this person. But if they become a threat to the bond that I'm building or that exists, you can't be here. You can't. You know, I
0: think when you mention that, I I love that this idea of I believe in you is Mm. counter to what people are told, is that you're perfect the way that you are. That doesn't mean I believe in you. What I believe in you means is that I love you, I think you're great, Mm -hmm. and I think you can do great things. Mm That's the general feel. I think when people are told, I believe in you, it's coming from a place of love, right? Absolutely. And it's coming from a place of empowerment. right? And it's coming in a place of you're not perfect, you have struggles Mm -hmm. and you can overcome them. Right. Um, That is such a different message than you're great the way you are. Mm -hmm. What that means is perfect just the way you are. perfect just the way you are <laughs> yeah, when I, that hear that, I hear that I hear yeah. yeah and listen you're never going to get any better so you better accept what you are now because right. honestly this is as good as it's going to get right and two I think the moment I hear people say that kind of stuff I am the person knows that's a lie right right they, they know
1: it's a lie. well the judge comes in no I'm not I'm not perfect I'm not perfect I know I'm not perfect right we like, all know it that's that's crazy <laughs> that, that, that that idea right. is Bonkers. Right. And where's, right. the, where's the joy also in, in growing? Exactly. You take the joy away of it. Yeah, I'm not supposed to go. you're be not perfect. being honest and then you don't right. believe
0: in those people. So being accountable is a expression of love. It Absolutely. is an expression of trust. It is an expression of belief. Right. And it is an expression of empowerment. And that's
1: why it's so important. And vulnerability. And vulnerability. And this is another big one because people are terrified of making themselves vulnerable. There really is no higher level of trust than making yourself vulnerable. That, I mean, dating, working, whatever, putting yourself on the line for somebody else really is the definition of trust. All right. So the empowerment of being vulnerable in the right situation, right? There's times you don't want to be vulnerable. Yes, 100%. Okay. But the belief in that of this person will be vulnerable for me to succeed our communal goal. Yeah, I was asked one time. Uh, you make it me remind me of this. What do you think the pinnacle of life is? And I said death. And they said, "Why? That's why would it be death?" I said, "Because for the most part, you could probably learn until that happens. Yeah. How exciting is it that I can learn every day? You know, barring certain situations, yeah. until that happens, you take your own life situation. Yeah, things that have been thrown at you and the things you have learned. We've talked about. I was so curious about that. Yeah. Uh, that to me is an important aspect of this. When I say, it, it, I was going to ask you this too. When's the last time someone told you, I believe in you?
0: Uh, I mean, maybe not those exact words, right? but I more of like, I'm proud of you. You can mm-hmm. do anything type thing. Same thing, right? Type believing. Um, that's relatively common. Uh, but that's my, great. My yeah. parents are awesome. Mine are too. But I think that you know for, for me um i i really needed that mm-hmm. as a child because i was dyslexic i was adhd mm-hmm. and i was failing at everything right like yeah. everything right. right i dropped out of school um and it took my parents specifically my mother right to say hey this isn't who you are right. i believe in you
1: that's fantastic and
0: even though I know you're feeling this way, right? You have to realize you're gonna accomplish amazing things, you're gonna you know, overcome these kind of stuff. And for people that are in a situation where all outside circumstances, meaning you get those grades and it's straight Fs, you're not at where you think you want to be as a person, right. all these other things, right? All of a sudden to have no one say that they believe in you, that's the only input that you're receiving. Right. So it's only a failure input. And I think that that stuff led me to work uh, a million times harder. Yeah, it gave you grit. And it gave me grit. It yeah. gave me a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. It gave me, you know, all that. that kind of stuff, right? And I look at that and say, if I didn't have that opposing side, would I have had the grit? What have I had a chip on the shoulder? Or would I have I folded? And I think nine times out of 10, without that, I believe in you, you will fold. And I yeah. think that- People say, yeah, I wish I had a mom or dad that would have done that for me or done that for this person, things like that. And to me, I think, are you doing that for other people? It doesn't need to be your mom, right? right? Absolutely. Like, are you walking to that person that you work with, that you do things and say, hey, I just want you to know. Like, it's been a rough week or something like that. You can do this job. I believe in you. You have so much talent. You're going to get there. It's okay that we fail. Right. Right. But I believe in you. Walk away, and if that's the first time that person's ever heard that, right? it's going to blow their mind.
1: Oh, it's, that, that means leadership.
0: And it's, yeah. you know, then to talk about loyalty, talk about, right. you know, that kind of stuff. And that's yeah. the things that I feel like we don't do very often, including people like me, right. because I did have loving parents right. that told me that. So for me, it's, yeah, you know, I'm like, oh, well, I mean, everybody should at least have a parent that believes in it, right? Yeah, well, And that's just not
1: true. No, in, in fact, unfortunately for a majority of people it's it's, it's not even there it's not there at all so a few things on this because i love where you're going i had parents like that too they're incredibly supportive and in a similar environment right when i wasn't i was not a great student (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but i heard that all the time all right so number one is this is where your judgmental mind might come in if you're listening well i never got that yeah all right you can give it though yes you're hearing it now for the first time you can start doing it yeah another thing I, i say when we talk about the elements we're talking about, and this is so true in pro sports, this is something I've noticed about pro athletes that I wish we would apply more to just society. Pro athletes are competitive all the time. Yes. Not when they get to the rink or the field, not practice. The they're competitive when they eat. Yep. <laughs> they're competitive when they sleep. Yep. All right. They're competitive. They That's practice me. it all the time. Yeah. That's what it takes to be a professional yes. athlete. If we're talking about gratitude, we're talking about belief. Practice it all the time. All the time. When is the last time? I'm not saying you, I'm talking to the audience. Yeah. You thanked your barista. Yeah. and said I appreciate you making this coffee yeah if you're a boss when's the last time you left your office and said hey thanks for coming to work today yeah you do this all the time yeah not just at the office I do that and I'm often shocked I'll thank again a Starbucks employee yeah. they never hear this I, and it, it actually hurt me when I they never hear this yeah people don't say thank you from the person if you're in Jersey pumping your gas all the way to your CEO, are you, th- are you telling them you appreciate them, you know, if they deserve it, yeah. right? Do it all the time. Have gratitude all the time. I heard right? a
0: guy say once, he was talking about this and he said, you know, I don't feel like I need to say thank you to the person giving me the service because I paid for it. That is your thank you, right? <laughs> and I thought, sure. and he's like, he's yeah. like, they don't need it. They don't and I go, and, I, and my immediate thought was, you're right. They don't need it. It's not going to make them a worse person, right? Anything else like that. But it will make you a worse person. That makes you a douche. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, you're right, yeah. you paid them. But if you're not showing, like, you don't need to. Meaning that the moment you exchange, they're obligated. Right. They have to give you that exchange. So you're right, technically, you do not need to say thank you. And yes, that may not hurt them or anything else like that. But it hurts you you. Right. And what you said, right? when you practice that, right, practicing it in every part of your life, it, it builds you up, not right. just the other people. Right. It builds you up. It builds a sense of gratitude. And if you're grateful, then you are automatically changing other areas of your life. Totally agree. And yeah. that gratitude puts things into perspective, uh, into perspective for mm-hmm. you. It allows you to be clearer, not as stressed, not as down on yourself. Right. right? So yeah. it's like, I, I kind of thought to the guy, I'm like, that is the saddest thing I ever heard right. about you. Not about that. Right. I don't care right. about you the, just that. Tell me something right? about you.
1: About you. Yeah. Right. And yeah. what it means about you. Well, it's, it, it's also, I subscribe to a we over me philosophy. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. Right. But I believe in us. I, I'm, I really, I've been saying that the whole show. And so, you know, I think when you get into those situations, another great question to ask yourself, you can't give somebody something you don't have. Yes. So if you're not saying thank you to the person who just served you a meal, by the way, which is something you need. Yeah. What don't you have inside of you that's not allowing you to do that? Yeah. And then you got to, again, the judge will come right in there and talk yeah. to you. Move it aside. Get curious. And look, look 99% of these are going to go back to childhood. Yeah. Okay? Oh, of course. And it's yeah. okay. It's very Sorry. hard. Yes. But it, it's, you know, that means you can't give them something you don't have. So that person doesn't have something and they've never once asked themselves, what don't I have? Yeah. You did that when you had that person come in. Yeah. What gaps do I have and what do I need to fill? Yeah. That says something about you.
0: Exactly, the, I view it even when I look at my kids. The things I'm hardest on my kids about mm-hmm. are my insecurities. Not right, that he, right. Not that, it, like right. when I'm really hard, like you can't do that, I can to do that. If they made a mistake on something else and I don't have that kind of emotional reaction, right, right back and forth, even though they may in quality wise be exact equal, Right. There's no real difference in, and it's because that's an outward expression of me right. on an insecurity that I have right. that I don't want my child to have. But you're or I don't want too. them to do it because yeah. I'm insecure about it and right. I hate that about myself. So them being my child, I don't want them to be like right. that too. right? right? And uh,
1: it's an expression of, once again, me more than it is right. my child. If I may, too, this is where I think we're having a lot of issues. Now, first thing I'll say, there's no perfect parents. There's no, no none. no way. Uh, and one of the trends I've been seeing, especially in youth sports, is that uh, no parent wants their kid to feel pain. I believe that. We all care about our kids, right? So what ends up happening is we start to protect them from pain. And what I believe is that there's certain pains like the one you're talking mm-hmm. about. We're actually not protecting them. Yeah. We're protecting ourselves. 100%. And now we're not allowing them to explore that. Yes thus creating insecurity, thus not giving the experience needed so that when they get to the real world or post-college, they face adversity, we haven't let them do that. They don't know how to handle it. Right, because we're too internal with our own pain and our own fear. So the hardest part of parenting, by far, is letting your kids fail. Yeah. And you have to do it. Same thing with businesses and organizations. Right. There's a certain level, and I think
0: defining the parameters, you said, um, uh, you said defining failure, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought more than defining failure and two, we should do this with ourselves. And I've always thought this because I think of this on an investing standpoint, what failures are acceptable mm. and what are not. Right. Absolutely. So there are certain failures within an organization or you financially investing, building a business that are okay. There's others that are not because it's a game over, right? right? Yes. Scenario. It's all of a sudden it's uh, like, absolutely. You, you yeah. fail this, we're done. You, right. you ruined everything. Right. But then there's other failures that are actually failures that move us forward. Absolutely. Even though we may not think about it and those have to be allowed. Right. We have to figure out in a, like a, a tactical things and right. we have to be able to move through, through those. People need to feel comfortable about doing that. And I think that if you haven't defined these things like you mentioned, you can't be comfortable. Yeah. Meaning that yeah. a failure here, a failure that is minute is going to be treated the same way of a failure that is massive. Mm-hmm. There's no distinguishing factor you'll, between them. You'll
1: anymore. use your own definition. Exactly. And again, as a leader, if we're not in someone's head, that definition could be devastating. Any failure. Again, we see this all the time. College kids, straight A's through high school get their first B and they cannot handle it. They have not been taught to fail eloquently. Right? Yeah. Or blame eloquently. Uh, uh, There's another one, right? It's like, Someone's wronged you in your life. Everyone's gonna have that. What did that teach you about you, or what did that spawn you to do? So, some of my greatest achievements in life, AJ, have been spawned by someone wronging me horribly, and I'm thankful for that now. Yep. So, I'm bringing this up because everyone has a little bit of a different nature of this. Now, here's another thing: the levels of failure. It's like a sandwich almost, right? If you don't teach an employee to fish, the old moniker don't teach, don't get them fish, yeah. teach them how to fish. That's a massive failure to not recognize that, that could end the company. If my worst fear is that no one can do the job but me. (laughs) Exactly, right? So are you teaching your employees? I don't mean one person, are your managers, are your leaders, are we teaching each other how to fish? We have to learn how to do that. All right, and then yeah, understanding how to define failure as a team. And again, what's nice about having these conversations with your team is that it doesn't take away whatever anyone's personal definition of failure is, but it does give you a bridge for them to understand, well, when I'm here, this is how we view it. And you'll help that person, right? As a team, you'll help each other. No, but I, my personal definition of failure doesn't apply here because this is how our leadership has defined it. And then again, over and over and over again, redefining and evolving and reporting. Uh, nothing will help someone get better at reporting failures than reporting failures, yep. all right? And it's funny because when we do this process, this is a process I implement with a lot of teams and companies I work with. The first two or three weeks, no one will report a failure. And it's, I have to, I have to inspire them to do that, right? We're not perfect. If we're not failing, we're not doing something right. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? So, yep. um, yeah, I think a lot of this can be uh, solved. I would say 10 out of 10 problems come from poor communication. Not dentists, it's not nine out of 10. 10 out of 10. Yes. And, and then maintaining that communication. And then what I find happens is uh, companies will implement these philosophies. They'll do them six months, things will get great. And naturally, what do they stop? They stop going to the gym, right? They stop, 100%. They stop working yep. and they go back down. So, within an organization, team, sports, business, government, that communal belief, nurturing that belief, revisiting that belief, having someone focused on that belief is essential. It does not need to be the CEO. Yeah. It could be the janitor. Yes. As long as that person's there, you can believe in. Yes. And we, again, going back to sports. You see this all the time in playoff situations that there'll be a kid or something the team rallies around. I think that's so important. Hopefully it's the whole season. They rally around this because they believe in it together. If you want to succeed, you have to create these beliefs and you have to create a culture of accountability, a culture of trust, and a culture of belief to move yourself forward. You do that, you're going to succeed. I love it, man.
0: Well, we've been going for almost an hour and a half here now, dude. I, and I could yeah. just, just go all, all yeah. day. This is so important. Once again, um, you know, to our listeners, re- really, this I, uh, this conversation was more for me. So <laughs> I I brought you in. I yeah. wanted to talk about these things because they are present. They are needed. And you're gonna every every single thing that we talked about today, you will face 100%. every single one and so they should be top of mind always and instead they usually get pushed to the side Mm -hmm. until it becomes a crisis mode right doesn't need to get there doesn't exactly and i feel i've seen that i know others have seen that and that's what we want to try to avoid so where can people go to find out more about you where should we send people
1: yeah lee mj elias uh, across social media if you look for me there you can find that or game7group.com spelled out that's that's where you can find me and Amazon books, wherever you want. Above all, if, if you've listened to this and you want to talk to me, just DM me, find a way to email yeah. me. I love the one-on-one interaction. I think yes. that's really important. And I want to say, man, look, you've detailed your, your grand vision on this podcast several times. and I really believe in you and what you're doing here. I want you Thanks, to know bro. that. It's just what I preach, but I mean it.
0: Appreciate that. Thanks yeah. for coming in, dude.
1: Thanks brother.